Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever or whenever you are, ladies and gentlemen. This is Sports Crunch with D-Crom. I'm your host, David Cromlow. 2019 NFL training camps are in the books, and the 100th season of the greatest sports league in the world begins just three weeks from this Thursday night. Ah, you can feel it getting closer. And in that spirit, we continue with the fifth round of our 2019 NFL Division by Division preview series with a look at the NFC West. And to help us analyze all things Cardinals, Niners, Seahawks, and Rams, it is a pleasure to welcome Matt Barr to the program for the very first time. Matt is the co-host of the Fourth and Gold podcast, a must-listen for all 49ers fans. How are you doing, Matt? It's great to have you with us. I'm doing great. I'm just as excited as you are, man. The season almost here, ready to get it rolling, ready to cook through this preseason and just kick off the regular season. Same here, and a big reason for excitement of the season resides in the NFC West, and that is the first overall pick of the 2019 NFL Draft, Kyler Murray. And Kyler Murray, he may only be the second quarterback standing at 5'10 or shorter in the Super Bowl era, uh, the last one being Doug Flutie, but you cannot mm-hmm. deny that he has the potential to forever alter how the quarterback position is evaluated and scouted. As Kurt Warner was pointing out during draft night, there are definitely similarities, striking similarities, that is, to Russell Wilson's game that you get from Kyler Murray's college tape at Oklahoma. What were your impressions of Kyler Murray during the pre-draft process, especially the tape? Well, I was really hoping that the Arizona Cardinals were going to take Kyler Murray. As a 49ers fan, I really wanted Nick Bosa or Quinn Williams to fall to the Niners and for them to have their pick. Uh, as far as his, his play style goes, I do see a lot of Russell Wilson. I, I see a lot of it. And, you know, I'm kind of excited to see him play this year. Because I think he's going to take some lumps, and I think some games he's going to go out and throw for like 400 yards and five touchdowns and just really put on a show. And then other games he's just going to – he's not going to do that. He's not going to do as well. Um, pre-draft process, though, you know, he throws a really pretty ball. Everybody was dogging him for how short he was. But, you know, when you looked at like the number of batted balls he had uh, by defensive linemen was really low, and you wouldn't expect that to be the case with his height. Um, you know – Like I said, I'm excited to see him play just because I think he is a very good football player. I think he made the right choice choosing football over baseball. He won't handle those questions anymore. He made that very clear today when someone asked him a baseball question. And, you know, the Arizona Cardinals are an interesting team because they could, man, I don't know what they're going to do this year. Absolutely. And another intrigue to that mystery that is the Arizona Cardinals is first-year head coach Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury coming out of Texas Tech, bringing a pure air raid style offense into the NFL. If you think the NFL had gone mad with college concepts before this year, you ain't seen nothing yet with Kingsbury uh, bringing that playbook to Arizona. How much better do Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury alone make that Cardinals offense a unit that was historically bad last season? Well, they're immediately better. I mean, there's no question about it. You bring in, you bring in Kingsbury, you bring in Kyler Murray, you get them to kind of meld together in the same kind of play style that Kyler Murray played in college. You know, he's going to benefit a lot from these five wide sets. He's four wide with just David Johnson in the backfield. My biggest issue with Cliff Kingsbury is I get some Chip Kelly vibes from him, just where he tries to bring that college system where, you know, you're running gun. If you have three quick incompletions and you're a three and out, your defense is getting no rest. And, you know, as, as a Fort Niners fan, as a guy that's been covering the Niners for a while, we saw it with Chip Kelly. The, the Niners offense wasn't ready to do that. And in college, you know, you dress 90 guys. So you can rotate your defense and you got a lot of depth. In the NFL, you only get 46 players. And half of those guys are going to be on offense. You don't have a lot to play with when it comes to defensive depth on game day. So it's boom or bust. And I think that's kind of the same thing for Kyler Murray. I think him and Kingsbury are going to go hand in hand, boom or bust every game. You know, if the games where the offense is cooking, it's clicking, they're going to do very well. 
But in the games where they have multiple three and outs and their defense just start getting dog tired and the other team just runs the ball down their throat, they're going to be in some trouble. Oh, I completely agree with that assessment there. And we will talk about that defense and an additional reason to be concerned about the defense aside from getting gassed when the offense uh, has an off day. But let's talk about our fantasy focus here for the Cardinals. And when you're targeting Cardinals players in your fantasy drafts this year, the top one to target is obviously David Johnson, who I expect will have a resurgent year in Cliff Kingsbury's offense. But in the passing game, uh, there are two wide receivers to choose from pretty much because that third job is uh, up for grabs at the moment. And uh, Christian Kirk uh, was the darling of the offseason, and he is currently going at an ADP of 73.2, so the 73rd overall pick in fantasy drafts. But Larry Fitzgerald is about a round and a half later at 88 overall. And he may be 37, but the future Hall of Famer can still ball, as he showed in that video that he posted on his Instagram uh, at the beginning of trading cap, catching that amazing sideline pass from Kyler Murray. Who is the better Cardinals wide receiver to own in fantasy, Christian Kirk or Larry Fitzgerald? I think, again, it comes down to boomer bust. And I think Christian Kirk is your boomer bust guy. He's shown he has the speed to make the deep plays and to have the big explosive plays. But when it comes to, you know, a young rookie quarterback, he's going to be looking for that, you know, that that safety net. And I think Larry Fitzgerald is that safety net. If you're in a PPR league, I think Larry Fitzgerald is going to be the better option. But if you're in a, in a, in a standard league with no PPR, I think Christian Kirk might be the option because I think he's going to rack up more yards and more touchdowns. But when it's all said and done, the number of catches Larry Fitzgerald is going to have is going to outweigh those numbers for Christian Kirk. Oh, thank you very much for that synopsis there. And let's talk about the Cardinals' defense for a bit. As you alluded to, uh, there is a risk running that um, um, Chip Kelly-style NASCAR offense that uh, Cliff Kingsbury is going to bring to the Cardinals. Uh, when you get all those three and outs and your offense is an off day, you risk getting your defense tired out very, very quickly because they're going to be on the field for uh, so goddamn long. But here's another <laughs> reason to be concerned about the Cardinals' defense. Last season, the Cardinals, they had the fourth best defense against the pass, but they were absolutely atrocious against the run. They were dead last against the run. And even worse, they will open up 2019 without Patrick Peterson, who will be serving a six-game suspension to start the season. While the addition of Jordan Hicks at linebacker may improve their run defense, can we be surprised if this defense actually plays worse this season, especially at the beginning compared to 2018? I wouldn't be totally surprised at all. And again, it comes down to the offense. If the offense isn't, isn't moving the ball and is off the field right away, the, the defense not built really all that well. I mean, top to bottom, you're looking at, they got Buda Baker, who's one of my draft crush from a couple of years ago. And I think he's a fantastic player. He's one of your hybrid guys that can play nickel, he can play outside, he plays safety, does a little bit of everything for that defense. And you know, the Patrick Peterson thing hurts. He's no longer the top tier, best corner up there, you know, Darrell Revis status like he was a couple of years ago, but he's still a very productive player. And he's still very good at covering wide receivers he shuts down one half of the field essentially so that's gonna be a big blow to them and then you know they lost Robert Kim DJ they they released him they haven't really replaced a whole lot of guys on a D-line Jordan Hicks comes in he's very good but he's also I don't want to say injury prone I don't like that but he has had struggles staying on the field and staying healthy if he can't come out and play right away and he can't consistently play that defense is in big trouble Oh, you said it, and plus, uh, I don't mean to throw shade at, at a Broncos fan. I met this guy at the Senior Bowl a couple years ago, very nice guy, and I wish him all the best uh, in his current position as Cardinals defensive coordinator. But Vance Joseph uh, 
if you look at his track record with the Broncos, he kind of had a habit of misusing certain players and miscasting them in roles they were uncoverable with, like Justin Simmons last year. Uh, Justin Simmons expected to have a breakout year under Vic Faggio, but the reason why he did come last year is because uh, Vance Joseph put too much on his plate that he couldn't do. So uh, isn't there a concern with you about Vance Joseph uh, misusing some of those younger players in the way they should be used, like Buda Baker and rookie Byron Murphy? Yeah, you know, it, it's it's the the square peg round hole argument, and when and when coaches try and force a role onto a player, it very rarely succeeds. I think you should you should have a defensive scheme, but you should build your scheme around the players, and you should allow them in the positions that's going to get them to succeed. Uh, you know, as a Niners guy, I'm always going to come back to the Niners stuff. We've seen it in Santa Clara because Solomon Thomas was trying to be forced to be a defensive end, he wasn't, and then he just was not successful his first two years. And he's kind of riding a bus label right now. I don't want to see the same thing for some of these young guys in Arizona. I mean, I, I wish the best for all the NFL players and I want them to succeed. And I really hope the coaching staff can kind of rein it in and Vance Joseph maybe learned a thing or two from his head coaching stint. Uh, hopefully for his sake, he did as well. And let's move on to your San Francisco 49ers and the big overriding factor for the success the 49ers will have in 2019 comes down to two simple words, Jimmy Garoppolo and Jimmy Garoppolo obviously signed that big contract in the offseason in 2018 but tore his ACL in the third game and this is a make or break season for Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers can save 22.4 million dollars next season by parting ways with Garoppolo and aside from staying healthy what kind of season does Jimmy Garoppolo need to have in order to ensure he remains in the red and gold in 2020 and beyond I think he needs to play somewhere between 2017 Jimmy Garoppolo when he was leading that that five game winning streak to close out that season and he just looked so magical and and in between that and 2018 last year where he didn't look all that comfortable in the offense and you know he was on the Kyle Shanahan light playbook in 2017 they only opened up a little bit to him and they kind of let him get comfortable with with a set number of plays and he was very successful with that last year they opened up the whole playbook and, you know, with Jarek McKinnon going down before week one, that threw a big wrench in things. Um, but he just didn't look like a $137 million quarterback. I think he needs to play in between those two for the team to retain him. I know that he's kind of handpicked by Shanahan and John Lynch. So I think even if he has kind of a down year, they're still going to ride with him and they're going to think they can get the best out of him. And best wishes to Jimmy Garoppolo this year, who is a Chicago area native like me. A uh, very good kid. Uh, wish him all the best this year. Hope he proves a lot of those naysayers wrong uh, this year. But in order for uh, Jimmy Garoppolo to have that kind of season uh, you desire from him, he's going to need another pass-catching target to emerge behind George Kittle in that passing attack because it can't be George Kittle and a bunch of other guys. It has to be George Kittle and a legit second target that frightens uh, defenses almost as much. And they are counting on Dante Pettis, their second-round pick, from 2018 to be that guy, but uh, the comments Kyle Shanahan made about him over the weekend of him uh, like uh, not really solidifying that starting job, but kind of uh, uh, sent a message to us, especially those of us in the fantasy community who are high on him, and Debo Samuel and Jalen Hurd even, their two uh, day two picks from uh, this this year are outplaying him in training camp and on the gridiron in preseason so far. And currently, Dante Pettis has an ADP of around 68 overall, 68.2 to be exact, per fantasy football calculator. Do you think Dante Pettis is worth it at his current ADP right now, or would you pass? I think he's a little overdrafted, and I think just about anybody on the 49ers offense outside of George Kittle and Jimmy Garoppolo are going to be kind of a pass for me in, in fantasy, just because I have so many options this year. You know, this, The wide receiving core is, is the deepest it's been since you're talking like the Jerry Rice, Terrell Owens days. 
And I, I think Kyle Shanahan, the way his offense works, is he's going to try and spread the ball around. Now, Kittle's that guy that's going to be on the field for 90% of plays because he's the number one tight end. But when it comes to the wide receivers, you're talking Debo Samuel, Marquise Goodwin, Jalen Hurd, Trent Taylor, who's going to come back healthy, hopefully after he broke his foot this past weekend. Um, and then you're looking at uh, – Debo Samuel. I mean, that's five guys on the outside that can make a lot of plays. Shanahan also loves to utilize the running backs in the passing game. They get Tevin Coleman coming in. Jared McKinnon probably going to start the year on IR, so he'll be back after week six. And Matt Breda shouldering the load in the running game. I don't know. I'm not huge on any of the 49ers players in fantasy this year. I try to avoid them as a, as a 49ers fan just because I tend to overdraft them because I because I think they are <laughs> better than they really are. Um, but at 68, I, I, I'm passing on Pettis. Yes, and forgive me, I'm going to ask you just one more fantasy question about the 49ers, and I personally wouldn't recommend the 49ers backfield this high, uh, even with the injury to Jarek McKinnon and him likely to be on the shelf for the first eight weeks of the season. Uh, Tevin Coleman's ADP is 56, around the 56th overall pick, and that may be a little too rich for me, but Matt Breida at around 125, 126 or so, his current ADP per fantasy football calculator, I think that's a price I'd personally be willing to swallow. So do you think Matt Breida would be the better 49ers running back to, to own in fantasy at this time, especially if you needed like a fourth or fifth running back option on your team? Absolutely. I'm smashing the buy button on Matt Breda just because I think he is going to shoulder the load in the run game. And I, I think he proved last year that he's the perfect running back for Shanahan's outside zone scheme. He reads it really well. He knows when to cut up field and he's incredibly fast. So he can bust through the hole and make some big plays. I don't think Tevin Coleman gets a ton in the running game. I think he'll end up with about the same number of touches, but a lot of those are going to come on screen plays, swing passes, uh, angle routes, things like that. Um, I think that's very rich for Tevin Coleman for me. Um, but I think that's, that's, I'm smashing the buy button at, at Breda's current value. I am as well. And arguably the most exciting thing about the 49ers, at least to me this season is their defense. Yes, I understand uh, a lot of these guys are dealing with injuries right now, but, uh, I'm hopeful that they'll be ready by week one, if not sooner. And just look at this 49ers defense, especially in the front seven. DeForest Buckner uh, proved that he's one of the best interior defensive linemen in the league last year with a 12-sack season. And now you add D4 to him, one of the better complementary pass rushers of the game. He's uh, definitely not um, a Batman pass rusher, but he's the ideal Robin in the situation. But they paid the money they did for D4 for a reason because they were able to draft Nick Bosa at number two. So you put Bosa and Ford off the edge with Buckner in the middle, and you have an underrated linebacker duo, in my opinion, a top 10 linebacker duo in the game with Fred Warner, who I interviewed at the Cedar Bowl uh, last year. Uh, God, I wish uh, he lasted to the Broncos, but the Niners <laughs> scooped him up beforehand. Congratulations. And you had Quan Alexander to that mix as well. So when fully healthy, just how good can this 49ers defensive front seven be? I think it's going to be a top five defensive front if they stay healthy. And that's really going to be the big issue. Um, you know, we've seen it with Bosa already. Uh, man, I, I'm really hoping that they can they can all stay healthy at this point. They need to. They need to. That front seven is incredible. And, you know, like you said, DeForest Buckner, a premier pass rusher from the inside. He's not the top guy because you're looking at guys like Akeem Hicks. You're looking at guys like uh, Fletcher Cox and Aaron Donald, who are, are your top, top tier guys. I think Buckner falls in the one right below that. And he was doing – he put up 12 sacks last year without any help from the outside, really. I mean, you're talking – he had 12 sacks – the next two players tied at five and a half. Uh, and that was Cassius Marsh, who's no longer on the team, and Ron O'Blair, who is now relegated to a complete backup role. And 
you know, he had more than both those guys combined. And that's that's really impressive. My concern with the 49ers defense lies in the secondary. They really didn't make any moves. And, you know, this was a this was a free agency period where the safety talent was off, off the charts across the board. They really could have gone out and gotten somebody like an Adrian Amos, like a haha Clinton Dix, like a, like an Earl Thomas. And they just didn't make that move. And I think they're kind of resting on their laurels and hoping that these guys pan out and hoping that the improved pass rush makes them better. I hope that's correct. I don't know if that's going to be the case. If the pass rush can't get home, I think the secondary is in trouble. Oh, absolutely. Like, uh, who else do they have aside from Richard Sherman? Nobody, to, to my knowledge. Well, you're looking at Akella Witherspoon who's coming into his third year. He was playing much better last year as the season wound down, and then he, and he injured himself in the Bears game, and he was he was done for the year. Uh, or excuse me, earlier than the Bears game. Um, but he, he still ended on IR. They got Jason Verrett, incredible talent can't stay healthy. I mean, the guy's played 25 games in five years. The one season where he was able to put together 14 games, he was a pro bowler. He has the talent. It's just a matter of him staying healthy and staying on the field. Um, and I do actually like their nickel corner, K1 Williams. I think he's a little underrated. I think he's a good player, but I don't think he's like world beating or anything. I just think he's a nice slot corner. Uh, the safety position is really where they have big question marks. Uh, Jaquiski Tart and Jimmy Ward both throughout their career proven they can't stay healthy. Adrian Colbert had an incredible rookie season and then just fell off a cliff last year. They moved Tarverius, uh, Tarverius Moore back to his original position at safety. That's in flux. I, if the safety position doesn't figure itself out, they're in big trouble. You said it. And moving on to the Seattle Seahawks, who extended Russell Wilson the offseason to a new uh, four-year extension, which will likely put him in position to end his career where it began in Seattle, and rightfully so. And he's going to have some new friends to throw the ball to this year, uh, given the uh, release and subsequent retirement of Doug Baldwin. Uh, it left the receiving court with uh, Tyler Lockett and a bunch of unproven guys, and that was a big reason why they traded up to the end of round two to select DK Metcalf, who fell uh, unexpectedly far in my eyes, all the way to the final pick of the mm-hmm. second round at 64. DK Metcalf he absolutely tore up the combine, drew Josh Gordon comparisons left and right in terms of skill, not in terms of uh, character, dare I say. But <laughs> uh, now you have DK Metcalf, uh, along with uh, Tyler Lockett in that passing game. Tyler Lockett is great. He was surprisingly efficient last year, along with uh, Russell Wilson's otherworldly efficiency, of course. But uh, you need more guys other than Tyler Lockett in that passing game. And DK Metcalf, I think, could be a much better player long-term than Tyler Lockett. So would it surprise you if DK Metcalf ends up being Russell Wilson's number one target in the passing game by season's end or sooner? Absolutely not. And the big reason is because Seattle loves to lull teams to sleep with the running game. They'll run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Safety start to creep up. They start to think, all right, you know, they're just going to run the ball again. That's when you hit with the play action. And if you get DK Metcalf in a one-on-one situation and he's just burning the corner, Russell Wilson throws the best deep ball in all of football. And he's going to be able to put it on the money. And I think DK Metcalf is going to have – a bunch of very long touchdowns this year. And it's going to be off that play action where you get the safeties to bite up and you're just leaving a corner with a guy that's just a freak athlete. I mean, he can, he's big, he can run, he can blaze. I think DK Metcalf is going to have a fantastic year. And I also want to say that I believe Russell Wilson is one of the most underrated, underrated quarterbacks in the league. I I believe every year everybody counts the Seahawks out and they count Russell Wilson out. And then somehow he puts together wins he doesn't get sacked behind a terrible offensive line, and he leads them to the playoffs. Amen to everything you said about Russell Wilson. I unfortunately uh, tended to believe the hype uh, earlier in his career that was uh, dished out by uh, guys like Pete Prisco as in the negative fight. I said, oh, he's good, but he ain't great. 
he proved those guys wrong. Russell Wilson is a top five quarterback in this league, full stop. You cannot deny that any longer. But speaking of Russell Wilson, as much as I love him in real life, I am not quite sure about him in fantasy football this year, and here's why. Last season, playing in the most run-heavy offense in the league, Russell Wilson threw 35 touchdowns on only 427 passes, and that was good for an astonishing 8.2% touchdown rate. And that rate was 2.2 percentage points higher than his career average of 6%. Thus, you can expect regression in touchdown passes. Would you be willing to draft Russell Wilson at his current ADP, which is around the 105th pick overall? Or would you rather wait a little longer and take, say, Jameis Winston, who I think will have a breakout year under Bruce Arians at 113 overall? Or even Ben Roethlisberger, who's going at around 130? Uh, I think 105 is a good spot for Russell Wilson. I'm not huge on drafting quarterbacks early. I'm, I'm not going to be the guy hammering the buy button on Mahomes in the first round because you know he's going to go first round. Uh, I'm not huge on that. I think you can get your, your fantasy points in a lot of different places. But I think Russell Wilson at 105 is going to be good, and I think the addition of D- DK Metcalf really helps that. Also, the thing that, that separates Russell Wilson from like a Ben Roethlisberger is I know he doesn't run a ton – but he does get some rush yards, and those can add up pretty quick for a quarterback. So I, I'm I'm buying him at 105. Yeah, that definitely is not a bad place to rest your laurels on Russell Wilson. Just as long as you have a good uh, complimentary quarterback to him on your roster, I think uh, you should be fine uh, in that regard. But you look at the Seahawks' defense, though. This is where I get a little concerned about their prospects this year, and here's why. Their pass rush. You trade away Frank Clark and you sign Ziggy Ansah, who is a clear downgrade to a one-year deal, and plus he's coming off of major shoulder surgery. And even worse, Jaron Reed, who had his breakout season last year with 10.5 sacks, playing in that Michael Bennett role uh, for the Seahawks defense, he suspended the first six games of the season for violating the NFL's personal conduct policy. Where is this pass rush going to come from, Myers Clark and Reed? I personally do not trust Ansah. I'm not huge on Ansah either, and the 49ers just brought in his old coach uh, Chris Kosarek to coach their defensive line. And when they didn't bring in Ziggy Ansah, that said a lot to me that they, they, they were comfortable with what they had, but they also, you know, it could use a depth piece, but they didn't want to bring in Ziggy Ansah to be that guy. So that's a little bit of a red flag for me because he, uh, Kosarek had coached Ziggy Ansah his whole career. Um, you know, they got the first round pick LJ Collier. I, I thought that was a big reach. I'm not sure if he's going to be that guy that can come off the edge and, and put up monster numbers right away. I think he's going to have a little bit of a trouble uh, translating his skills to the NFL right away. I agree with you. I think their pass rush is a little bit in trouble. Trading away Frank Clark, you know, it's tough, but he's had some off-field issues. You know, I understand why they did it. They they The Seahawks had no draft picks this year pretty much. They only had like four coming into the draft. And then they they made a lot of moves to hoard hoard a whole bunch more. And then they got to add to their offense, which is what they really wanted to do is is add weapons around Russell Wilson, especially after Baldwin stepped away. Uh, the defense, you know, they still have Bobby Wagner. They still have K.J. Wright. The the, the secondary is, is, is better than most people think. I know the Legion of Boom is dead. It's gone. All those players are out of Seattle. But the guys they do have are not bad. And I, I think – I'll say it right now. I think the NFC West runs through Seattle this year. I think the Rams are going to have a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover. I think the 49ers, I don't know if they have it all figured out yet. And Cardinals are still a year or two away at all just, just because of how young they are. So I think the I think the NFC West runs through Seattle, even with their issues at pass rush. Ah, that is very, very interesting. Uh, you're probably going against the grain there compared to most uh, national analysts, but that is respectable because football ain't rocket science. And let's talk about the Rams. And this is a reason why I think uh, your position on the Seahawks might make more sense than many people think. When you look at Jared Goff, he is a completely different quarterback in a clean pocket where he averaged an 83.8 QBR, one of the best in the league, 
versus a muddy pocket where he averaged just an 11.3 QBR, one of the worst in the league. And this offseason, the Rams said goodbye to left guard Roger Saffold, who uh, took a big muddy contract to Tennessee, and mm-hmm. setter John Sullivan, who retired. And they will be counting on two second-year players, and Joe Nopum and Brian Allen, respectively, two uh, 28T draft picks to replace them. How big of a concern is this offensive line turnover for the defending NFC champs, especially with a quarterback like Jared Goff, who's quite dependent on his offensive line? I think it's huge. I also think it's huge for the run game. Uh, You know, Todd Gurley, he's dealing with this knee issue, and no one's really sure how that's going to affect his play overall. If that offensive line can't keep Jared Goff upright and they can't break open holes for Todd Gurley, who might not be the same explosive player he's been in the past, that offense is in trouble. And I, I'm not huge on Jared Goff. I think, but I think if he's going to succeed in any offense, it's Sean McVay's offense. The only issue I have with Sean McVay's offense, I've said this before, he has a fantastic plan A. His plan A usually works. It's fantastic. It 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 puts up points. It puts up big yards. But when you stop his plan A, he will just slam his head against the wall trying to get plan A to work. And we saw it in the Super Bowl where Belichick had it figured out and McVay could not make those adjustments. And I think that comes with being a young coach. I think he has to learn to make those adjustments. I hope for the Rams' sake that McVay really kind of took the offseason to study the Super Bowl and figure out what he could have done better. Because I think Bill Belichick set a blueprint on how to stop this offense. And I think uh, Bill Belichick built off that blueprint that was set by Vic Fangio in December of 2018 on how to stop the Rams, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. The Bears really shut him down. And, and that was the big game where it was like, are the Bears for real? And, it, you know, it turned out that they had a kick blocked at the end of the game and they couldn't pull it off. And now they're, they're in kicker hell. But, yeah, I think I think Belichick built off that Fangio, that Fangio blueprint. And I, I need to see... I need to see more from McVeigh when it comes to making halftime adjustments. Very good point. And I see three uh, potential keys for the Rams offense this year. Uh, protecting Jared Goff, which we just talked about. Todd Gurley's knee, uh, which you just mentioned. And here's another big one that I think we cannot afford to leave out. Cooper Cup returning to his old self. Because since Cooper Cup went down uh, with that injury, Goff's numbers started to take a little bit of a dive. So uh, which do you think of those three factors is the biggest one for the Rams on offense this season? The protection of Goff? Todd Gurley's knee or Cooper Cup uh, becoming his old self again? Uh, I'm going to go in order, uh, keeping Jared Goff upright, then Cooper Cup, then Todd Gurley. I don't value running backs very highly. I think they can be found at pretty much any round of the draft or undrafted free agents. Um, and, and a lot of a lot of offensive schemes are plug and play. We saw it last year with C.J. Anderson for the Rams, where as long as you're just not terrible, you're going to be fine. You're going to be able to put up yards if the scheme is is run correctly. So keeping Goff upright is huge, but I, I will not undersell the the addition of Cooper Cup coming back from injury. He was a monster last year out of the slot. He's not overly fast, but he's strong. He runs incredible routes, and he's great after the catch. He's a guy that, you know, he can really burn defenses, and it's not going to be with speed. It's going to be with smarts, and I really enjoy watching him play. Oh, same here. It doesn't matter how fast you run in a straight line. As long as you could run crisp routes and run as many shapes in a wide variety of ways, you will work forever as an NFL wide receiver. And Cooper Cup, you are the epitome of that uh, example. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. And uh, let's talk about our Rams fantasy focus for a second. And it is Todd Gurley, whose uh, mysterious knee condition now believed to be an arthritic type uh, 
knee issue. He is actually still being drafted in the late first or early second round of fantasy drafts, according to Fantasy Football Calculator. Is Todd Gurley worth it that early, or would you pass on him and take guys like Nick Chubb or Dalvin Cook instead around the same juncture? I, I'm passing on Gurley entirely. I mean, I'm not even going to draft him unless he falls to fifth, sixth, seventh round in, in whatever league I'm in. I'm in like four this year because I have a problem. And uh, it, it, unless he falls really far, I, I'm not touching him. I think he's going to be overdrafted across the board. I think people are going to just, you know, they're going to see the big numbers from last year. And they're going to see how he was a consistent 20 point a game guy. And I don't think they're really going to look too deep into it. Uh, I think end of first, beginning of second is way overdrafting him. Oh, we are in agreement there. And let's talk about this Rams defense for a second. You could talk about how bad the Rams offense was in the Super Bowl. Their defense actually delivered a very inspiring performance in that game. And I honestly think they could be even better in 2019 because uh, Aqib Tlaib got hurt. Marcus Peters uh, obviously faltered. But now you add an Eric Weddle to that secondary. Yes, he's 34 years old, but he's still capable of playing at a very, very high level. And I think he gives that secondary the leadership it needs to uh, stay together and to avoid uh, those breakdowns that they had uh, last year. And plus, you got Aaron Donald returning, uh, him being the uh, def- best defensive player in the league. And uh, you added some young guys like a rookie Taylor Rapp, for instance, and other veterans like uh, Clay Matthews, which uh, adds a nice body to the pass rush rotation at this stage of his career. I think this defense could be even better this year, especially uh, with the additions of Eric Weddle in the secondary. How much better do you think this Rams D can be this season? I think it's going to be very good. And, and it all starts with coaching for me. Wade Phillips is a miserable head coach. Wade Phillips is a defensive coordinator genius. Yes, he is sir. such a good defensive coordinator. He's such a miserable head coach. We Broncos fans he, know it all too well. <laughs> yeah, and like when you're getting pantsed by Pac-Man Jones on hard knocks in front of the whole team, like you're you you don't have the chops to be a head coach. He does have the chops to be a defensive coordinator. And as long as the wheels don't fall off for Eric Weddle, I think he's an immediate upgrade to Lamarcus Joyner. Taylor Rapp was also one of my, my one of my draft crushes, and he his big knock was he's not a big coverage guy. He's more of a thumper. But I think when you pair him with Eric Weddle. That's a great matchup. And, it, you know, I'll go a step further with Aaron Donald. I think Aaron Donald's the best player in football, full stop. Not defensive player, not defensive line. He's the best player in football. What he does is incredible, and he is nearly unblockable. He's just an absolute monster. And disruption up the middle is kind of becoming the new thing in the NFL. Edge pressure was nice, but, you know, we saw last year in the AFC Championship game, where the Chiefs, you know, they had they had D Ford and they had Justin Houston. They couldn't get home on Tom Brady because they were doing quick hitter passes. It takes a long time to get from the edge to the quarterback. But if you're Aaron Donald and you're just mauling your way up the middle, you're going to get to the quarterback right away. Uh, when it comes to the other guys, I, I think it, Tlaib, you know, and Peters can be very good. I don't know which which players we're going to see. Tlaib's another guy. As long as the wheels don't fall off, I think he'll be okay. Um, one of the underrated guys on that Rams defense is the linebacker Littleton. I think he's incredible. He's a restricted free agent this year. They slapped a second round tender on him and no one challenged it, which I don't blame them. But he was like, he's an incredible cover guy. He's a special teams ace. He just makes plays. He's a guy that just, when you watch a game, he makes plays and it's fun to watch. I think the defense can take that step forward as long as the wheels don't fall off these aging guys. Like you mentioned, Clay Matthews is another one. Um, They brought back Don. Dante Fowler, not huge on that move, but if you're going to spell him with Clay Matthews, you're going to kind of do a little rotation on the edge, I think they'll be okay. Yes, said the Rams defense is going to need to improve from 2018 because uh, I personally am expecting regression 
from the offense. And he is Matt Barr, ladies and gentlemen, the co-host of Fourth and Gold, the must-list to podcast for 49ers fans. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt Barr underscore. And Matt, it was a pleasure having you on the program. But before he let you go, we'd like to play our favorite game here. And it's called Truth or Exaggeration. And in this game, I'm going to say four statements about each NFC West team and you are supposed to say whether I'm telling the truth or whether you think it's an exaggeration. Starting with the Cardinals, David Johnson will lead the NFL on yards from scrimmage in 2019. Exaggeration. And why am I exaggerating? Okay, so you, oh, you want an explanation too. Okay, here we go. All right, so David Johnson, I think he's going to be very good. I just don't think he's going to be that guy that leads the entire league. I think there's a lot of players. I think you look at, like, I know Le'Veon Bell didn't play last year, but the Jets' offense kind of kind of run through Le'Veon Bell. I think he's going to be a big target to, to lead the lead the league for in lines from, uh, yards from scrimmage. And, and I don't trust David Johnson to stay healthy the entire year because that's what you need to do to be the leading guy. I think another guy to look at is Alvin Kamara or Christian McCaffrey. I think they're two running backs without any challenge for their 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 snap count in, in, in New Orleans and Carolina, respectively. So I would take those three players over David Johnson. Tier 49ers. If the 49ers win less than seven games in 2019, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch will enter 2020 with just one more chance to prove they're the tandem to turn the 49ers around. I'll say that's the truth. I, I really think if they don't put together a decent season and, and, and Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't pan out, I think they're going to be on the hot seat. I would hate to see it because I do really like Kyle Shanahan. I love his offense. I love what he, what he, what he does for the offense. But I think the other guys you're looking at, John Lynch – the drafts have to start panning out because their drafts have not been stellar across the board. I mean, this year it seems like all the rookies are starting to play and, and their top five guys that were drafted this year, um, with, with the exception of Bosa, were really good in the first preseason game. And I don't put a whole lot of stock in preseason games, especially the first one, but they appear that they are playing well. And, and the reports coming at training camp is they are doing better. I do believe they are in the hot seat if they win less than seven games this year. To the Seahawks. Chris Carson will make Rashad Penny borderline irrelevant in that backfield. Big time truth. Big time truth. Rashad Penny, it was he was one of my draft crushes too. I didn't want him in the first round, but I really liked what he did at San Diego State. I was living in San Diego at the time. I got to watch him all the time on TV. I thought it was incredible. And it kind of showed that he was playing against a little bit lesser talent in at San Diego State, and he's not the same player at the next level. And, you know, he he didn't do well in the first preseason game. I know I just said I don't put a lot of stock in the first preseason game, but he could not put it together. And he doesn't have that skill set as a receiver to really push Chris Carson for any kind of snap counts. Yep. Keep riding Chris Carson, Seahawks. Do the right thing. And last but not least with the Rams, Aaron Donald will break Michael Strahan's single season sack record in 2019. Truth, because he plays three offensive line interiors that are not very good six times a year. The 49ers, the Seahawks, and the Cardinals do not have fantastic offensive lines, especially on the interior, and I think he's going to eat against NFC West competition this year. I wouldn't be surprised either. Thank you very much, Matt Barr, for your time. And that's it for today here on Sports Crutch. But we'll be back with more 2019 NFL Division by Division previews very soon, so stay tuned. In the meantime, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as my blog at sportscrutch.com. And remember, that is Crutch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrutch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Matt. 
You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at dcrom 59 For Matt Barr, this is David Cromwell saying so long, and as usual, stay awesome.